So I mentioned at the beginning about how we are beginning a journey that Christ is really taking us into this mystery of his love and his mercy. Now, if I could make a confession before we begin. I find Easter really difficult. Um, got to try not to breathe into the microphone, sorry. I, I often feel like a bit of a spectator. Um, this is, I think this is, this is the 10th time I've been to Light to the Nations. And we go through the liturgies, we've got the Station of the Cross, and so often I find myself sitting back feeling like it's all happening out there and it's so hard for me to connect to it. And so I think really where we begin is with this question of how do we respond to this mystery of mercy? What we've just heard there in the readings It's an extremely intimate moment where Jesus kneels down before his disciples and washes their feet. And even those disciples are struggling. You know, Peter's like, don't do this. You know, even I think even the guys who were there at the time found it so hard to understand what was really happening in front of them. So I was thinking if you can join me in this just to kind of walk you through a bit of an analogy which which maybe might just open up something of this. Because you see, mercy is probably the hardest thing to ever receive. We, We talk about it, we hear about it, but to actually receive it is so difficult. So if you can, I want you to imagine that you've killed somebody. Okay, a little bit graphic, but... You have murdered someone in a horrendous way. Okay, you're arrested, you're dragged before the court, the judge is ready to hand down the life sentence, you'll never leave prison. And there in the side of the courtroom is the mother of the person you murdered. And she's weeping. And just as the judge passes the sentence and basically says, you will never see daylight ever again, solitary confinement forevermore. She approaches the bench to go up to the, talk to the judge. She whispers away to the judge for a bit. And finally the judge says, you're allowed to speak. And so she walks up to you and she looks you in the eye and she says, you are a horrible, horrible person for what you have done. I'm going to take you home now and adopt you as my child. How would you feel? (laughs) Maybe a little bit confused. This acknowledgement that what you've done is horrendous, but for her to then turn around and say, everything my child had is now going to belong to you. Their whole inheritance, their whole life now belongs to you. And so instead of spending that night in the prison, you are now taken home with her And you now enter into the bedroom of the person you murdered. You sleep in their nice plush bed. Now I want you to pause for a moment and just think, what's going through your head at that time? If you've just received that sort of mercy, what are you feeling on that first night as you lie in that bed? Probably a whole range of emotion. Firstly, you're probably quite happy you're not in a cold prison cell. 
But you're probably deeply confused. What is this? Is this some sort of bizarre payback? Now, particularly the next morning, it's 8 a.m. when the woman comes in with bacon and eggs. What are you thinking? Are they poisoned? Is this her moment to get back at you? But day after day, she just keeps loving you. You know, your clothes are freshly ironed every day. Breakfast is served. Bed is made. As, as the days and the weeks go on, what happens inside of you? My guess is some days you're going to be a little bit angry at her, just saying, look, leave me alone. Because it's almost as though she's trying to rub it in, trying to make you realise how horrible you are by treating you so nicely. Other days you're probably going to be in complete denial and you'll be blaming the rest of the world, saying it was their fault. Sometimes you might be just trying to ignore her. You might leave the house for days on end just to try and get away from it. The question is, at what point do you actually give in and receive that mercy? At what point do you actually say, I'm going to allow myself to be her child? Now, I don't know about you, but if that was me, I think that would take years, decades maybe. Because to actually acknowledge that someone has forgiven you that much, but then to be able to receive it, to be able to humble yourself enough to actually take hold of that and realize that despite everything I've done, this is being given to me as a free gift. If, if that was me, I would be trying to earn it. I would be out in the garden digging holes and trying to serve her and clean the dishes and desperately trying to earn this gift. To simply receive would be so difficult. Now, the reason I use that analogy is, I think, so that we can understand something of what is going on when Jesus washes the disciples' feet. Because it's a little bit kind of the opposite of that analogy. He is loving them before they betrayed him. He is loving them at a point where he knows in less than 24 hours, every single one of them will have walked away. One of them will have sold him for 30 pieces of silver. Every one of them will have played some small part in his death. And even before they have done that, he gets down on his knees and he washes their feet. And already, even before they have failed, they're already panicking. They're already saying, Lord, don't do this. You see, because for the Jewish people, this... This was an action that would only be done by a slave or a servant. You would never have a person who, in, a, in a position of authority get down and wash somebody else's feet. It was, it was an action of complete humility. And so for Jesus himself to get down and wash the disciples' feet, he was communicating something powerful. He's saying, I give everything for you. I pour out my whole life for you. Will you receive it? 
Will you let yourself be washed by me? Will you let yourself be fed by me? Because it's not just the washing of the feet, it's also the fact that he then gives himself in the Eucharist. He gives him his very self, his very body and blood to us in the Eucharist. This is where I want you to try and connect that analogy to what we're going to experience here tonight. Because we find ourselves in the position of the person receiving. Jesus has done everything. He's given everything. Where do we stand is the question. Do we stand here in complete denial? Do we stand here angry? Do we stand here sort of bargaining, trying to earn our way? Are we ignoring him completely? Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter what you do. He's still giving himself every day. He's still giving himself to you. And he will continue to give himself to you until that day when you give in and you let yourself be loved. Until you allow yourself just to receive it and realize that you are now accepted. Everything that he has is now yours. You are now adopted into the family as though you actually were him. His whole inheritance is given to you. His very life is given to you. You know, over these next couple of days, we are going to go into this story deeper and deeper. And I'm sure if you're anything like me, there are some parts where you will feel a bit numb. You will feel a bit distant because it's too hard to receive it. But as we journey into tonight, let us pray simply for this grace to be able to take hold of this grace of mercy. To allow ourselves to be loved by the one who gives everything. And as we now invite up 12 people to represent all of us, these 12 people who sit before us and have their feet washed, as this is happening, I want you to just imagine that, that this is yourself. That this is Christ washing your feet. Christ who knows exactly what, what is going on in your life. He knows all the bad stuff. He knows all the stuff you're hiding from, the stuff you're ashamed of. And yet he still kneels before you and just loves you. Pours out his life upon you. And just as we sit here and watch this happening, I just want to encourage you just to say, Lord, help me to receive it. Help me to let myself be loved by this great mystery.